Welcome back to the show. I am Dr. Brad Dieter, the Chief Operating Officer of Macros Inc., a nutrition and fitness coaching company. And this is My Take, a podcast that discusses current events in nutrition, the business side of the health and fitness industry, and a little bit of everything in between. Let's get into the show. We are locked in in the studio. This is going to be the very last episode of the year for the podcast. And then we're going to kick it off with a new format, a totally new show uh, in 2023. But today we're going to be closing out the show. And I'm just going to talk about the 12 lessons that I learned this year in 2022. And this is also going to be the first episode of the show that we're going to record in video so that we can release it to... Uh, the YouTube channel. And then we're probably going to have a video editor, chop this up, turn it into shorts, some Instagram reels and Facebook reels. And we're going to start pushing more of this content out in video because I think there's a lot of just good content in here that can get chopped up into short pieces and sent to you guys. So this is the first episode of a new approach and the last episode of the year. So tune into the show today. You're going to love it. All right, so we're diving straight in. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the 12 lessons that I learned from 2022. And I just have the lessons written. Um, I don't have any additional stuff. So I'm just going to kind of talk my way through all 12 of these. Uh, and I'm also releasing these daily over the next uh, couple of days, probably two weeks in case I miss a day here or there um, as Instagram posts as well. So the first one is mental fortitude is essential essential, essential. So just really reflecting on the last year, and there's a lot of things that really happened um, from a business perspective, from a personal perspective, um, you know, that were really kind of up and down. And, you know, what this really taught me this year, more so than ever, and this is mostly from like experiential knowledge, because I think this is something that I've known kind of intuitively for a long time. Uh, but was much more real and palpable this year is that the strongest muscle that you need to develop to succeed is actually your mind. And most of that is because you need to learn how to deal with a lot of things that get thrown your way. Like life throws a lot of things at you and the stronger your mental fortitude is, the faster and better you can handle things that are thrown at you. And that's really, really kind of the key lesson is life's going to happen and you need to figure out ways to deal with, respond and come up with solutions to problems faster. And that's the way your life gets better, right? And that's the way your life gets better quicker. And so kind of mental fortitude is really kind of the strongest muscle that you can have. So that's number one. Number two is don't forget to do the basics. You know, I think Macros Inc. has grown a lot. My life has grown a lot. Who I am as a person has grown a lot. But one of the things that I'm always reminded of because it's very humbling to do this because you get humbled and you have to do this is you have to, you can't forget the basics. So I think Macros Inc., you know, we've gone from a, you know, five-figure-a-year company to a eight-figure-a-year company, right? And now we've kind of set our sights on really the next kind of 
revenue-based goal. We don't really think specifically in like, oh, top line revenue is the only number that matters. But that's kind of how we think about, we can put a metric on level of scale and growth is kind of nine figures as the next, kind of the next major hurdle, right? Is kind of going from, you know, one, a hundred grand a year, a million a year, 10 million a year, a hundred million a year, a billion a year, et cetera. And so we're kind of in that 10 million to a hundred million growth range now. Um, and this is something that has been taught to me this year over and over is don't forget to do the basics because going from good to great means you get better without forgetting to do the basics that got you there. And that's really, really, really important. So you can't forget that because if you don't, or if you do forget that you're going to get humbled pretty quick because the things that you were doing that were working are going to stop working. And then your business is going to start to suffer and you won't know why. So you can't forget to do the basics. Uh, number three, this is specifically a business lesson. Some of the other ones apply to like the rest of your life, but as you scale and grow, the thing I've had to learn this year is where we're at now and where we need to go is we've had to systematize fulfillment. So we've had to develop coaches who can really do an uh, excellent job at fulfilling on our promise and make sure that our coaching is as high quality across the board as it can be. And that clients get as homogenous of an experience. Now, that doesn't mean everybody gets the same experience, but the same quality of experience is delivered to each client. And that's world-class experience. That means we can't have misses. That means everybody has to get a world-class experience. So we have to systematize fulfillment. And then I have to start thinking out of operating in the business. And I have to focus on product. So we have to focus on how do we make the next jump or level of scale and product. And when level of scale, I don't mean how can we reach more people. I mean, how can we take our product and now 10x the value of that product while maintaining fulfillment? So that's kind of where my focus is at. That's lesson number four that I've had to learn this year. Uh, lesson, well, that was lesson three. Sorry, I skipped one. Lesson four, I got to learn my numbers. Lesson four, gratitude solves a lot of problems. Solves most problems maybe solves all problems. I don't know if it solves all problems, but it solves a lot of problems. When I think about the really difficult things that I've dealt with this year at all levels, every time I've stopped and changed my perspective on it and said, instead of this is a problem, and I say, hey, I'm so grateful for all of the things surrounding that problem, dealing with that problem becomes infinitely easier, right? If I have a difficult relationship with somebody that's going on, like there's just some like something picking in that relationship instead of focused on that causing an issue spending time thinking about how grateful you are for that person for what they've brought to your life for your relationship with that person it makes solving that problem so much easier like infinitely easier uh number 5 this kind of goes back to don't forget to do the basics but said a little differently is you default to your bad habits this is all of us, right? Whenever things are difficult or things aren't great or you're kind of just not focused or you have a lack of clarity on what's going on, you default to your worst habits. That's pretty clear. And that's something that I've learned this year, both from a personal level, professional level, kind of the whole thing is you always default to your bad habits. Number five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to get these numbers right. Because I just have a list with no numbers next to them. Uh, six. No, no, no. The art of going from good to great involves saying no way more often than you say yes. 
And this was a really difficult thing for me to learn this year. And I think it's becoming even more difficult for the people who kind of work with me to understand and in my personal life is I have to say no to most things. To focus on what actually matters, I have to say no to most things. And that means other people have to understand why I'm saying no. And I don't always do a good job of that. And so saying no is really required for me and for our business and for my life to get to the next level. And that can be difficult because you have to communicate that effectively to other people and they have to understand why. Otherwise, a lot of times people will feel like you're kind of treading on or preventing their dreams from happening because they want something done that you're the gatekeeper for. And you have to figure out how to solve that. Um, Number seven, this is an interesting one. And you can take two views on it. Um, One thing I've learned this year is no one cares and nothing matters. Fundamentally, if you look 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, what you do, no one will care and nothing really matters. Uh, And you can kind of take the nihilistic view. It's like, why do anything? Or you can take the view of like, that's ultimately freeing because you get to decide what you care about and what matters to you. Because at the end of the day, you're the only person who can ultimately care about what you do with your life. And you're the only person who can really put meaning in your own life. And so you get to control what you decide you care about and you get to decide what matters to you. And that means like any accomplishment you have doesn't really have any meaning. It really doesn't. Like I think about, um, you know, Jay and I, years ago, we're like, man, it'd be awesome if we were in the top 500 of the Inc. 5000 list, right? So top 500 fastest growing businesses in the US. And we hit we hit that. Like, we made that target. Um, you know, I think we were, um, I think, third in our industry, um, or maybe sixth in our total industry, third in the state of Nevada where we're incorporated in. So, I mean, it was a massive achievement. I mean, basically, we went from you know, we grew at like 1,200% over the course of three years, which in a service-based industry, that's not product where you can just scale infinite amount of dollars and just sell a bazillion fidget spinners and call yourself the one of the fastest growing companies. Major accomplishment. But what was really interesting is <laughs> we both were just kind of like, okay, now what? Like once you do that, no one cares anymore and it doesn't matter. Like we're now six months, five months, six months past that list coming out and it doesn't matter anymore because the only thing that matters is kind of your next at bat. Um, And that's actually awesome because it is very freeing in that you get to decide what matters to you and what you're doing next. And that's all that you can really control and care about. Uh, Number, I think we're on number eight. Yep, we're on number eight. Uh, Don't count anyone else's money. I heard this from uh, Steph Curry when he was talking about how he... So after he had a a couple good years in the NBA, he signed what people would say was like not a great contract for him. Like he gave up a ton of money. I think he signed like a three-year, $33 million contract, which I know it's an absurd amount of money. But for him, he was like one of the best players in the NBA, but paid very little for what he's relative to market value. And, you know, 
it ended up being the right decision, but somebody interviewed him and asked him like, Hey, what was your perspective during those negotiations? Cause like you definitely took less money than you could have argued for. And like, do you ever think back about that? And he said, you know, my perspective was two things. One is relative to the other people who are my peers in the NBA and who I'm equal at. Yeah. I'm getting way less money, but this is, this is more money than matters. I'll be set for the rest of my life signing this deal. And the second thing he said was, this is what actually was really interesting is don't count someone else's money. Never compare yourself to what somebody else signed on a contract. Um, And this has been really interesting for me. You know, when we're kind of in this startup business space and you see stories of like, hey, so-and-so sold their company for $50 million. Somebody who has less revenue and is less profitable than us sold for $250 million. There's kind of this perspective or pressure to start thinking like them and to start being like, oh, I need to go get mine. And I can't do that. Like, don't count anybody else's money because that's not ultimately the game we're playing. We're playing a different game. Would it be nice to have a check for $250 million? Be awesome. But that's it's not the game I'm playing. I'm playing a much different game. So don't count anybody else's money. Um, this is number nine. And this is kind of a mashup of two things I learned this year. The, the lesson is default alive, then think in decades. And I want to just kind of walk through my thought process here. We from the business side, it's very easy to get caught up in quarterly revenues, yearly revenues, quarterly EBITDA, monthly EBITDA, earnings, gross margin, net margin, et cetera. It's really easy to get caught up in these things and be like, hey, in order for my company to be valued at $50 million, $100 million, I need to make sure you know, I'm growing at this number. I am hitting my revenue numbers. I'm, um, you know, doing all these things in a short period. And those are what really matters. And I don't know if that's the best way to think about building a long-term sustainable, ultimately world dominating business. Um, now those things definitely matter, right? They do matter, but the way that I like to think, And the way that I'm thinking about decisions I'm making are default alive and then think in decades, right? If you start making decisions to reach a monthly profit number, you're probably going to make decisions that have better short-term outcomes than long-term outcomes. But if you realize the game is about staying in the game as long as you can, then you can start to think like this. My company needs to be set up so that it's so healthy that when it's running, it's making money, right? Because then the company is default alive. I never have to go find money to keep the business alive. I never have to make short-term you know, decisions to keep the business alive. I don't have to discount product and start tarnishing brand name to keep the business alive. I need to be default alive. And then I can think in decades, right? Because this game is actually played over decades, there's been a lot of companies who do, who try to do what we do, come and go. And there's going to be more that come and go. And every time they come and go, they do two things. One, 
They bring awareness to the type of service we offer. And two, they create clients. And then when they leave, there's a power vacuum. Those clients need to go somewhere. We'll take those clients. Now, we have to rebuild trust of maybe they didn't have great experience, et cetera, but they have done our customer education for us. They have paid for our customer education. And we can acquire those clients. Now, we still have to continue to grow and fight for those clients the first time they're in the industry so nobody doesn't, somebody doesn't come in and you know, beat us. And we're heavily focused on that. But they are paying for client education. And when you start thinking in decades, it's a powerful way to think. Um, number 10. God, I, I, we don't... I'm, these numbers may be wrong because I'm all over the place. Uh, number 10. And this, this very much goes back to uh, number 9. You don't need much at all. And I mean that like in your life, things you need... Uh, I, the needs that I have like in my daily life of like what I need from like clothes, food, life experiences, houses, travel, like all of these things, you don't need much at all. Like you really don't need much to survive. And you are normally just as happy in X type of lifestyle as you are in Y type of lifestyle. Um, like going on a super fancy vacation versus just, you know, going and staying in a decent place and being somewhere warm and, you know, eating at the local restaurants on the beach for $2 tacos is just as great of a life and experience as it is staying in the four-star hotel, right? Like, especially once you've done all of those things, you realize like you don't need much at all. Like the $400 shoes and the $50 shoes, same thing right? The $150,000 luxury SUV and the $35,000 used SUV end up usually giving you the same experience. And so you don't actually need much at all. And so when you kind of couple that with the, as long as your business is default alive and you think in decades, your life is going to be okay and your business is going to be okay. Uh, Number 11, money matters but not the way you think it does. Um, and this is kind of an evolution of just kind of my own personal life and my thought process. And I'll just kind of walk you through how my view on money has changed. And I, obviously there's some experiential things here that people kind of have to go through. Um, and, and this is just kind of the way that my brain has changed about money over time. When I was, you know, young and in my like early in my career and was making like 700 bucks a month as a grad student. Um, great stories about that. I'll have to tell you guys sometime. The way I viewed money was, can I survive and pay my bills? And it was complete utility of like just survival. Then when I started making enough money and like my first real job, it was how can I provide like security to myself to where it's like, I don't worry about my next meal. And then when I got to where I was making more than I needed to survive and could actually save a little bit of money, it was like, oh, what kind of things can I buy to improve my lifestyle? And then it was, and then it changed. So once I was able to like afford a few things that changed my lifestyle, um, 
and I had some different life experiences, I started to think my next shift was like, oh, hey, you know what? Money to me now means can I use that money to invest and make more money? And that was interesting because then I started to figure out, okay, like, hey, if I save $1,000 and I can make 4% on that money in 20 years, it's worth, you know, $3,000 instead of $1,000. I started to think like that. And now, like, now that I've been running a business um, and I'm kind of in charge of the financial aspects of Macro Zinc, um, but we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just somehow got put in charge of it because I like spreadsheets. Um, but my view now is, Money is a tool to create value in the world. It's basically you become a capital allocator. And I've started to take that idea, that concept I've learned from like, hey, every time a client pays us $150 in a month, my job is to allocate that capital appropriately. And that means how much of that do I pay my coach so they're motivated to give the best service possible to that client? Then with whatever's left over, how do I take that money and invest in one, improving the overall product so the next month that client is actually getting $175 worth of value instead of the $150 they paid me last month? And then I think, okay, anything that's left over off that, how do I generate more clients so that I can provide more value to the world by helping their lives? And now I've started to think about that in like my own life with my own personal financials is like, how do I take the money that I have after I basically can cover my mm, the roof over my head, the food on my plate, um, and, and that's pretty much it, like, and then, you know, your car or whatever, but, like, the things that it absolutely takes to survive, how do I take the Delta and build more value in my life and my community and the people around me? And so that's kind of been the shift of how I think about money is it's a tool to survive it's a tool to be safe. It's a tool to make money. Now it's it's a tool to create value. And that's kind of the way that, you know, I started to realize that money matters. Once you can get through those things and you get to the point where you start thinking about money more on the side of, you know, return on investment and that investment actually being value to the world, it's, a, it's just a way different like view. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I'm I'm not a multi-generational wealthy person, but like when you start thinking about like why billionaires make the decisions they do, besides buying $400 million yachts and stuff like that, but like they become master capital allocators. They take money and they try to build more value in the world. Um, so that's number 11. And then number 12 is you can't buy loyalty. And this is something that's been very interesting for me to learn. And this applies in your personal life and in, in professional. And, and I'll kind of give you both of those. If you, let's say you're married and you have a spouse. If you make a hundred grand a year or $20,000 a year or a million dollars a year, that money doesn't buy your wife's loyalty. It just doesn't. Like it, it may buy their like secrecy slash um, like, not wanting to tell you the truth about how they feel or what they're doing because they like the lifestyle, but it doesn't buy their loyalty. The same thing applies in business. One of the most interesting things that I've learned is there's not a great relationship between you giving somebody a raise or you paying them more money and their loyalty to your company. 
It just it it just doesn't work that way, right? A lot of times people will say, "Oh, if you pay your employees well, they'll stay." Yes and no. Right? It it can, but what actually keeps them around is do they trust you and value you as a leader? Do they believe in the mission? Do you have a good culture? And is what you're doing making their life better? Do they have great work-life balance? Is their job not as stressful as it would be working somewhere else? Do the values align? Do they find meaning? Do they find purpose? Do they find fulfillment? Do they feel part of the community? Those those things buy loyalty. Money doesn't buy loyalty. That's why mercenaries are like, eh, sure, you can give me 100 grand. The next guy gives me 105 grand like I'm leaving. Money just doesn't buy loyalty. So... Those are the 12 things that I learned this year. Mental fortitude is essential. Don't forget to do the basics. Systematize fulfillment and focus on product. Gratitude solves a lot. You default to your bad habits. Say no, say no, say no. No one cares and nothing matters. Don't count anyone else's money. Default alive and then think in decades. You don't need much in your life at all to be happy. Uh, money matters, but not the way you think it does. And you cannot buy loyalty. So that's it for the episode. I hope you guys had an awesome year. I'm excited to see how the video of this works. I hate videoing myself um, because I just think I look weird on camera, Um, but that's just me. So thank you guys for tuning in. I'm Dr. Brad. I will see you guys next year.